A light drizzle of rain falls outside. The occasional sound of thunder and lightning interrupt its patrons dozing off within. As the firewood crackles against the noise of it all, we come tonight to the warm's hard side. Two fellows chat with drinks alongside. Welcome to the Denari Tavern. Tonight we have here with me Mint.、Uh, Mint. Oh well, actually, I, I prefer to call you Mint most of the time. But、uh, Mint here is my first ever dungeon master.、Uh, he actually introduced me to my first game where I play as a paladin tiefling called、uh, Talios, and we have been playing off and on, right?、Uh, and, and we haven't gotten.、Uh, we haven't、uh, when we started the server. We reunited. I think we reunited back in the mass game as.、Yeah. Henry and Thurain, our our two kids superhero who are semi rivals, semi bros,、uh, friends, and actually that dynamic is always the case. We play together in Avatar Legends as bros,、uh, and and also you you are playing Dmitri Ivanov,、uh, the how do you describe Dmitri <laughs>、uh, <laughs> in the Call of Cthulhu game? <laughs> uh. Uh, I would say Dimitri is a, a sort of like a tragic character to a degree. He he was due to his upbringing, due to his、uh, very past traumatic childhood experiences. He had he had a very skewered uh, uh, how should I say、uh, perspective? Sense of morality. Sense of morality. Yes,、uh, skewered sense of morality and a really、uh, sort of fucked up way of like seeing the world. Like sort of like eat, either eat or be eaten type of mentality.、Uh, he's 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 someone who's very driven by a lot of things. What, what's the word? The materialistic things, for example.、Mm, yeah. Seeing that he was he grew up in poverty, and、uh, he is he's a character that's very detached to other people as well because like、uh, because of all, because of all the bad shit that has happened. Uh, to him in his childhood, like him losing his parents and his siblings, you know, due to、uh, extreme poverty, there's that need for approval and vanity going on for him in his life, and sometimes he would,、uh, sometimes he would let those things drive him to extreme, to the extremes. Oh yeah, there there have、yeah. been extremes. I think extremes are. I think for both, both, both for you as both as a dungeon master and a player,、uh, you are you are quite a you do have a, quite a number of extreme characters.、Uh, you you have showcased、uh, this this、um, this tendency to like. I think my nickname for you is the、uh, the RPG uh, whore, uh, the role playing the role playing whore who basically like escalate all the drama. No, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't RPG horror. I specifically remember what you said. You called you. It was a. It was a drama horror. Okay, yeah, you were yeah. the drama horror. That's true. Yeah. Ah,、uh, so 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 that as a player, you are already like uh, uh, you already create a lot of compelling characters. You create these very memorable、uh, PCs that are for, for me.、Uh, I had a lot of time pl-、uh, fun playing with both as the game master as the player alongside you, and.、Mm-hmm. One other thing that I remember most about you in our first game is that there was a time that I think that was our second game together, and you were、uh, you were we were running in this、uh, this small village in a tavern.、Uh, I think it was a townhouse, and we、yeah. had a mayor who was like injured, and there was this juggernaut and a jester 
we don't know their name at all, right? And this was mm-hmm. my second. This is my first time facing a fucking boss character in a game, ever <laughs> in that in D and D. And I still remember to this day how that guy looked in my imagination when you were describing him with this huge. Uh, this guy, I think, like, it was like seven foot tall, just this huge, badass. Uh, juggernaut that's just charging into all of us and I was making a full-on speech on the cliff trying to protect people <laughs> but uh, th- th- I still remember that day and 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 I and that's the reason why uh, I want to uh, that's the question that I want to ask you uh, about today mm-hmm. which is bad guys mm, you have shown me uh, how uh, how in just basically one session how you can make two compelling bad guys uh, for a DD game and, and six years later I'm still talking about them. So what is your uh, toolkit for making cool bad guys? Uh, first of all I'm very uh, it's an honor to for my uh, villain characters to make uh, that big of an impression on you Jack. Uh, <laughs> uh, but typically uh, speaking, when, when it comes to creating a villain character, I, uh, I don't really um, go into details about it that much. I would say it's similar to creating an actual player character, mm-hmm. but, but someone who has gone through so much grief, so much uh, negative emotions and experience that life gives them. And they just, you know how some, you know how some uh, characters have this like uh, heroic beliefs and ideals where like, oh yeah, I can persevere and all that, right? For me, it's the opposite. It's villain is someone who gives in to all those uh, negative emotions and negative, uh, all these uh, uh, harsh realities, all these like harsh treatments uh, in life. Someone who goes to the extreme measures because of those things. Uh, I would say that's my main uh, recipe when it comes to making a villain. But typically speaking, though, um, it would be... I always go with who, what, why, and how. Uh, Who as in, like, who is this villain? Why as in, what is... Why is this villain doing the things that he does? Like, the motivation behind behind the numerous things that uh, he does, uh, they do as a villain. And what, as in, what sort of character <clears throat> comes from uh, those whys that uh, makes the character in the beginning? And then how, as in, how is he going to uh, send a message to uh, <clears throat> to uh, express his uh, the injustice that he, he uh, they felt uh, against the world? It, that that brings a. I, I have like two points I really want to pursue right now. I'm mm. trying to make a choice between which one I should go for. Uh, first thing is the how. Okay, let's go with the how first. You you yeah. mentioned how these bad guys what right? They will mm-hmm. they will send a message. They how how they will send a message. How they will uh, express their goals to the players. And as people who have stayed behind the screen, uh, uh, played behind the screen before. And there's a lot of things to jumble before, and like in a movie, you don't get to do a, a monologue because, like, I, 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 uh, I, again, back to back to that encounter, you're you were introducing that character. I was trying to make a speech, <laughs> and no. I remember uh, one of one of us like actually trying to like fight mm-hmm. before you guys can actually as move forward. So 
there's a lot of things to jumble for to introduce a introducing a villain and how to express themselves right mm -hmm. and uh, unlike a movie or a book you don't get to control all the narrative because players oh, players will fuck up your plans all the time oh yeah <laughs> there was this one time where like uh i made this like really dope uh villain with like an intricate backstory and everything and then right when the spotlight shines on my villain like one of the players just seemingly throws a magic missile uh while you know while the while the big bad evil guy is like trying to make a speech and uh, do us do us really uh deep a uh, deep meaningful monologue ah <laughs> like, uh, yes the monologue trap <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> I, i've been a victim of that i've been a victim of, victim mm -hmm. of that. I think it, it wasn't a one shot where i was like i was trying to monologue and um <laughs> Yeah, there. Uh, do not do monologues when your uh, players have shatter in their spell list. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> not good. Especially if you want, if you plan to do a monologue on top of a cliff, mm -hmm. don't. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's just something that every DM has gone through. You know, like every DM's pet peeves. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> every, uh, I mean, I I think that's that's the beauty of D and D, right? That's the beauty of every RPG games. You don't. Mm -hmm. The heroes do not stop and listen to the villain monologue. They don't mm -hmm. really care because mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to be heroic, right? They're trying yeah. to the adventurer, this 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 powerful image that they have fantasy for, and they're trying to showcase it in any way they can. Mm -hmm. And the villain monologuing definitely is not helping. So how? How do you? The, the reason why I think most dungeon master try to monologue is that not because they want to show off their enemies, uh, their 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 uh, the villains. I think they want to actually give information to the players most of the time. Oh yeah, yeah. And and when the monologues are cut short, you have you have to improvise a lot of information to be delivered to the players. How do you do that? How do you? let your players know hey guys this was the weakness i was trying to give you hey guys this was uh, uh this was the hostage situation that you guys need to know uh until you cut off my villain's monologue you know <laughs> i mean uh when it comes to that though i think that to a certain degree there are co there there should be a mechanic of like consequences uh should the players choose to ignore the uh the obvious signs uh that are dropped by the dm uh, himself when it comes to like uh when it comes to uh foreshadowing you know like uh the, uh the villain's weaknesses or like his uh his motive or any sort of thing that would help uh that would give the give the party an edge to uh against the villain but generally speaking though i think uh the way i do it is normally uh, through indirect means for example like uh, they find certain piece of information that they weren't expecting about the uh, about the villain about the mastermind behind uh this adventure that they're uh, pushing uh, that they're pursuing that's the uh that's one of the things that's one of the ways that i implement uh, when it comes to like uh, giving hints and giving a bit of foreshadowing uh, to the party about the villains. Uh, for me in D and D, uh, my go-to is either sending, mm -hmm. uh, or because like you know, I, I always leave a sending stone. 
So that, oh, like, okay. at the very least, you guys can talk to each other, you know. And but they they probably will hate the villain, but they cannot kill him in that moment, mm, you know. Mm, mm, mm. And it, it's so fun to see players try to like you know uh, give in one liners within twenty five words. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the idea of like how villains can be introduced, uh, not just introduced, actually interact with the player is is one of the uh, is one of the biggest hurdles that a DM has to face because you cannot let your villain just die in the first encounter either yeah. if you want an actual recurring villain, right? We'll put a pin to that too because I think that's something that we will have to pursue later down the line. You mentioned about how villains are these people who feel injustice that the world has like that the war has done upon them and they mm -hmm. now have to go to, to extreme lengths to get what they want. Mm-hmm. For me, I I tend to gravitate towards these kind of villains as well. These morally gray villains who are heroes in their own story, right? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I am still very compelled by villains that are just completely evil, who are enjoying evil, like the Disney villains, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think, evil I think, for the I, sake of evil. Yeah, yeah, like I think uh, Hades in the Greek mythology are, is not a bad guy, he's actually quite the most chill of all the Greek gods, but mm -hmm. Hades in the Hercules movie is definitely my favorite villain out of all Disney villains. Oh he's yeah. So goddamn captivating when he's on the screen, you know? He, he's a very memorable character, yeah. Yes, uh, he is amazing. Like he's definitely like he actually has a lot of points. Uh, when he was talking to Megara, uh, Mag Megara uh, about Hercules, you know, and oh yeah, <laughs> I mean he's he wasn't wrong about the points that he made. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean Hark was just a fucking uh, uh, himbo at yeah, the time. Anyway, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So for you, how do you balance? What do you think about like completely evil villains as well as like these morally gray villains? How, well, which one do you gravitate towards, and like, uh, how would you play them? I tend to alleviate towards uh, sort of morally ambiguous uh, villains, like you've mentioned before, rather than just you know evil for the sake of e uh, being evil type of villains, because. Those villains, there's only one thing in con common. Uh, there's only one thing on their minds. It's, you know, carnage. Eat uh, for their carnage, for their own greed, for their own uh, hunger. Like, whatever they may be. Whatever the uh, whatever the sins, they, uh, the, the vices that they may have. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's mostly just simple desires. Uh, if you know, if you catch my drift. Uh, like for example, yeah. uh, a very hungry uh, chimera. For example, that would mm -hmm. be it. Would be a, it would be a, it's a creature that's evil for the sake of being evil, and it's a mm -hmm. predatory. Uh, it's a predator, mm -hmm. to say yeah. the least. Yeah, and as someone who really enjoys RPing, I definitely lean towards uh, you know like RPing this broken, empty villains uh who are just you just have to have that drama don't you exactly 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 drama is something that really makes the game more interesting in my uh, in my personal opinion like mm -hmm. sure it can be just a you know like a simple oh yeah do this do that uh simple uh, fantasy adventure but mm -hmm. i definitely 
feel that there should be uh, a sense of an element of drama that is that can be relatable uh, by their players in contrast to the uh, to our real life circumstances in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And I think that just gives the uh, gives a good um, good co- a good ground for players to RP and get to know each other. Like for example, when a drama r- arises right mm-hmm. within yeah. the party, it gives a chance for the characters. It gives a chance for the players to uh, share their opinions, and you either agree or disagree with those set opinions within the party. And mm-hmm. it also encourages a good chem- a, a, a chemistry, defines mm-hmm. chemistry within the party, in mm-hmm. an RP perspective. Mm-hmm. That is a very interesting thing to think about. How villains are not just there to uh, to fight the party; they're actually there to like actually place drama into the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mm-hmm. actually there to place dilemma uh, for the party that they just not they just cannot resolve by making a role. I think you play a lot for that as well. Like I think your character and my character in uh, our, our mass game, we mm-hmm. have this like uh, you're you were basically you're basically playing a little bit powered down version of a young superboy, right? And yeah. and I I I basically don't have enough power to overtake you. And we there wasn't a villain per se, but there was a circumstance of the world being blow up to each other. We we planned this, of course, uh, just to just for the context, right? We did plan this together. We actually sat down beforehand. We had a little session zero uh, between the two of us. We talk about, hey, let's fight in the game. <laughs> yeah. Before we do it, right? Yeah. We, we didn't we didn't just blow up each, each other's face at the table. Please do oh, not do that. Please do not do that. Talk to your play. Talk definitely. to your other players before you do that. Yeah. But uh, each and, other and, heads up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in that moment, uh, I think you, uh, I think that's what you mean by defining, uh, having defining characteristic for the players. Because I, for me, when you started role playing Henry Sunstrike, right, uh, mm-hmm. as this, because I think what started was I cheated, not cheated. I basically did an underhanded tactic to trick you. Yeah. Right. That was yeah. what happened. Yeah. And Henry got really angry because I stepped over a line. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you want to let the people know what the line was? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, to give a bit of a context, Jag's character <clears throat> sort of like goaded Henry, uh, my character in the Masks campaign, uh, to sort of like mindlessly charge into him by saying something that's completely personal and very, and that would really like piss Henry off, uh, which is uh, his little sister. Yeah. Uh, his little, <laughs> like, what was the what was the exact phrase that you used? Uh, uh, I, I don't really remember. It was really in the heat of the moment, but I, uh, I I think it, it was, was something was, vulgar. It was it was it, it, it was, was really vulgar. <laughs> it was it was in the direction of how you, uh, I I would rather fight your sister and 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 how even then she she uh, oh yeah I I think it, it was more like. Your sister would be easier to uh, to for me to pursue, uh, and and this oh wait, this, this fight is easier oh. than going after your sister. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it was something along the yeah. lines of that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was <laughs> an attack on your character as well as like oh yeah, yeah. Uh, your your sister's uh, I, I, it's going to be easier for me to get to get your sister then. It's, yeah, it's really easy for me to like get into character and be like really upset and like 
uh, relate to it because like I also have a little sister in real life as well. Yeah. So like I thought to myself, okay, what would be one thing that uh, I would do, and then and then how should I, and then how should I reflect that on Henry, right? And then yeah, uh, and then I exact and I did exactly that, and then mm-hmm. just like charged straight into you, charged straight towards you, and mm-hmm. fell falling right into your trap. But after yeah. that, the, the after that fallout, right? After the fallout, I think what defined, uh, what really helped define the chemistry the, between the two of us was, mm-hmm. uh, for Thurain at the very least, Thurain, um, Thurain, no, he did a, he he overstepped one. He knew he knew he overstepped. His flaw was always like, because he's the least powerful technically in the group, he has he he has to do whatever it takes to win. That that's mm-hmm. what his mentality was. You what you what you did. Basically, escalating the drama by quitting the team, and yeah. as long as Thurain is on the team, you basically allow Thurain to discover the responsibility of leadership. Because <laughs> in that moment, Thurain had to step step up because he was the cause of it all. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think this brings back to as a dungeon master or a game master. Uh, it's not just the villain itself; the world and everything around it. Can place obstacles and 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 provide drama into the group that can define the players because because of that moment, I think later down the line, uh, Thure and 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 uh, now uh, uh, Sunstrike uh, Henry mm-hmm. really has like a Batman Superman kind of friendship rivalry now. They're oh, they're both semi leaders in the group. Uh, be, uh, of course, uh, Henry's the uh, uh, official leader. Thurain uh, is like always the instigator who is like pushing things, uh, pushing buttons, pushing things, right? So mm. they they both like step up their plates and always trying to like not overshow each other, but at the very least they have each other's back, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that re- that moment really defined it. That moment instigated oh, yeah. uh, the definition of the chemistry between these two characters. Yep, I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. As a dungeon master, if you were to like create this sort of chemistry uh, in a table, how would you go about it? Uh, one defining example that I want to bring up is uh, do you you know Strad from you know like Curse of Strad, right? Now give me spoilers. I'm still playing Curse of Strad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm, kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm a cold the, but if you're, if you're going spoilers, into spoilers, no, no, no. Okay. I'll keep the spoilers minimum. Okay. Uh, because like I, I personally don't, <laughs> I personally haven't finished uh, Christoph Strad as well. But there is one defining thing uh, that really stands out uh, that I also incorporated into my games. Uh, you know, copying from the the module itself uh, mm. is that is is this redeeming factor of the villain constantly interacting with the party, mm-hmm. uh, like. Just because you're a villain doesn't mean that uh, you need to like wait at a at a at a specific uh, time or location mm-hmm. for the for the party to like you know approach and like have this like epic fight epic uh, boss fight you know mm-hmm. it, it's not a simple matter of like Mario going into the Bowser, Bowser's castle and just like <laughs> yeah. fighting Bowser it's it's more like hey, Bowser hey, hey. being a nosy guy and just like messing with Mario even Bowser plays tennis with Mario okay. <laughs> exactly exactly so there needs to be like a lot of social like so like build-ups when it comes to our like from rp perspective uh to like 
to like properly define the uh, the chemistry between the villain and the uh, and the players, and also not to mention also to uh, give the players like things that players can also relate to. Things that they can have a kinship with the villain. Exactly, exactly. Be like, oh yeah, like I I can totally see where he's coming from. But the thing, uh, the, like I want players to go like, oh yeah, I can totally see where this guy is coming from, where this villain is coming from. But the way he does things is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I want I want them to feel that sort of uh, moral dilemma as well. I want to I want them to feel the moral dilemma as well. Be like, oh, are we really doing the right thing? You know. Oh, are we? Are we uh, do you want to give them the "Are we the baddies?" moment? Are we the baddies now? Yeah, you know, like in monster. Okay, you know, like if, for example, right in Monster Hunter, right? Mm, yeah. You go like you basically go to uh, all these like monsters' uh, natural habitats and mm-hmm. kill them, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, doesn't that make you point. think that? Yeah, doesn't that make you feel or think that like you are the bad guys? <laughs> When those monsters are just like minding their own businesses and doing their own stuff. Oh man, I think. Oh wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. There is a really good example of um, an RPG villain in Dragon Age uh, that you really relate to the character. That. Um, oh, Dragon uh, Age. Is it the first Dragon Age or? No, I can't. Oh shit! I cannot say without spoilers. I cannot say it without say what say without spoilers. So, okay, everybody who hasn't played Dragon Age Inquisition, um, stop listening in this moment and <laughs> and then come back to us in like uh, two minutes. Uh, but yes, uh, so skip two minutes from now. Um, in Dragon Age Inquisition, right? Uh, one of the party mm-hmm. members actually turned out to be the big, big bad, big bad evil guy of the oh. whole thing. I think right? you're talking about uh, the bald guy, Solas. Yeah, yeah, Solas. Right? Yeah, yeah. Solas. yeah. And uh, when I was playing the game, um, and and because I was playing an elf character, I was not romancing it, Solas. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so, but I had a really good uh, sort of a kinship with Solas because mm-hmm. he speaks to me on like this environmental mind kind of thing. How the fade is uh, is. Uh, is a natural part of thing, which is which speaks to me as a person because I am a very environmentally minded person. Right, and, right. And when it's finally revealed why he's doing it, uh, why he is the bad guy, we kind of, I, I kind of like in that moment, am I still fighting for good? You know, am I? Am I mm. still because like he has a point. <laughs> humans yeah. are humans are fucking terrible to this yeah. world. But they have taken over the whole continent. We're basically giving rise to the, the war between the paladins and the mages. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that humans are doing to the continent. And wouldn't it be better if we just disappear? That kind of thinking, right? Bad guys like that are really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you said, they can basically make us question what we're doing is good or not. For for me, running those kind of character is really hard. Uh, I mm. find it really hard because if I if I give enough cause for their motive, right? If I give right. enough cause for motives, mm-hmm. at some point, my players are like, "Guys, I'm not enjoying hitting this guy anymore." <laughs> <laughs> right, and, right, right. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm faced with a choice. Whether to turn this person anti-hero, 
or to die a tragic redemption arc. I don't know. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, so how would you deal with this kind of situation? Like, have you ever had a villain that was so compelling and had so much justification to their cause, even though they're doing a lot of extreme things? Do you ha- do you ever have to deal with like giving him a redemption arc? Um, that is a very interesting uh, idea to implement a sort of like redemption arc to a villain. Although in my personal experience, I've never had the opportunity to uh, for one of my villains to go through that sort of uh, redemption arc because uh in my personal opinion right uh villains are villains are just your everyday people like it's except for this very ambitious goal in their heads and and to to reach that ambitious goal like mm-hmm. there are so many ways you can reach there. You can reach it. You, there are so many ways you can reach uh, towards that ambitious goal. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of how you mm-hmm. get there. Mm-hmm. Like the means is what makes the villain uh, a villain, mm-hmm. and not the end itself. Mm-hmm. Like for example, right? Uh, like Solas in Dragon Age Inquisition. Like, oh, I want to kill all the humans uh, because like they enslave all other races and they are the plague of the world. Right, mm-hmm. like a good person would uh, run a social campaign mm-hmm. or something, <laughs> you know, like you know, like get enough signatures uh, <laughs> from <laughs> from all the citizens of the world and be like, "Hey, you guys are we are bad." Like you know, increase raise awareness, <laughs> uh, raise awareness uh, to the underlying issue. Or you could be a big bad evil guy. And just uh, you know, uh, start a genocide uh, for these humans and reshape the world. So yeah, that has been a big pattern, right? I, mm-hmm. In a lot of mo- uh, the recent recent movies and stories, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, humans are terrible. Let's wipe them from the world, and we shall restart again. That yeah. that 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 motive has been played a lot. <laughs> it's it's. I would say, like in our current media, it's it's one of those like overused themes. Oh yeah. Uh definitely. <laughs> I mean, like Exhibit A, Thanos. No, oh, yeah. You know, Thanos, like, Thanos it's is set to them. death if Thanos uh can create can basically remove half the life, can he just not I mean, it has been over overset on the internet, you know, how Thanos mm-hmm. was so wrong. But why? Why do they always go to that idea? <laughs> <laughs> because like if they don't go like if they don't if they don't, if they don't have that extreme ideas in their heads like it wouldn't really it wouldn't necessarily make them a villain. That's the thing. Like if you can freaking if if your character oh, okay this is I think one of the pitfalls that we we need to remind ourselves when we're writing villains right even mm-hmm. for an RPG game uh, is like oh if your villain's means of reaching their angle. Think of the price that they're getting. Like, for example, if you're trying to build a really, really strong bomb to, like, you know, destroy the world. Right. In order to save it. Mm-hmm. Use that money to feed the world. <laughs> Use the money mm. to fix it, you know? <laughs> Why would you build a bomb? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why would you wipe out, like, half the population of the entire world? Yeah. Um. So. So. Yes. Uh. But. But. Sorry. I interrupted you on your thought. No. No. It's all good. All yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. To get 
back on track. Uh, I would say that uh, to you know like to find that balance uh, for players to like not get too attached and like be like, oh man, I don't want to kill this guy anymore. Like to find that balance, I think uh, what's important is like there needs to be a sense of uh, there needs to be an element of characteristic uh, characteristic uh, that is borderline inhumane. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, kick the puppy moment. Yeah, yeah, kick the puppies uh, type of moment. Like what I would normally do uh, in my games is like find the values that my party members uh, stand for. Like mm-hmm. find the, the values, the beliefs that they have uh, as a character, uh, the, the the sort of lens that that they see through mm-hmm. about the world, and just like do a one eighty and have that sort of uh, opposite factors mm-hmm. in like embedded into the villain. Mm-hmm. and yeah. have it portray on a grand scale uh have it have those like elements portrayed on a grand scale by the villain that's how i would normally go to find that sweet spot yeah uh i, I mean speaking of like these like tropes right mm-hmm. um uh another one of like uh the like the the villain trope that i really really want to run but i'm not smart enough to do mm-hmm. are mag- our magnificent bastards like uh, these very charismatic uh, oh. type of characters that are so so good mm-hmm. at what they do and they're like always you know planning everything ahead um, oh, uh, yeah. and, and I, I, I think Light uh, from Death Note would be the type of character I, I'm trying to describe like, they, he's so charismatic that he basically deceived the uh, the whole police unit that he's working with and everything, right? Even L, who know who who has this gut feeling that he is, uh, uh, he is Kira. Spoilers, but guys, mm-hmm. it's been long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, L L couldn't prove him, right? So mm-hmm. that uh, so magnificent bastards. What do you think about those kind of characters as well? Magnificent bastards are not are can be more really morally great too, but I think they're for them they're they're. Their defining traits is their charisma and their intelligence. And and uh, how would you run those type of characters? Do you, do you uh, also gravitate those kind of characters as well? Definitely. Uh, I would say that like I would say I ha- I alleviate uh, I tend to lean towards those characters as well. Although, like you said before, they are a bit challenging to pull it off successfully, uh, in my personal opinion. Uh, what I would normally do is I would sometimes like draw inspirations from mm-hmm. some of the villains that I find completely mm-hmm. like completely charming and charismatic. Mm-hmm. Like an exa- a good example is Joker. Uh, Joker mm-hmm. is he is charismatic in his own ways. Like yep. especially he, the Dark Knight version. Exactly, uh, Joker in the Dark Knight is yeah. he 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 is very charismatic he's very he knows like he knows the things the exact things to say mm-hmm. to have everything fall in his path yeah you know the yeah. way he planned a lot of planning a lot of pre-planning I, I think that's where i fall apart as well because like i think for these kind of characters right you have to plan ahead for a mm-hmm. lot of things these do and those plan needs to make sense oh yeah yeah. Because I think I think uh, uh, you watch Bleach too, right? We talk about Bleach before. Oh, so. yeah. So, uh, light spoilers for Bleach. Early uh, spoilers for Bleach. Um, 
uh, Bleach mains big bad is Aizen, right? Aizen, Until the yeah. thousand year arc. Uh, mm-hmm. Aizen was a big bad of two thirds of Bleach. And one of the things I really, really do not like about Aizen is that every time he freaking says, it's all according to my plan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense. <laughs> I it's think like, Aizen, Aizen is a type of character that would have a plan for a plan. In yeah. case a plan goes wrong, you know. <laughs> but, but at some point, it does feels like the writer is just like cool. I, I have so much love for Kubo, but like mm-hmm. the writer is just like, <laughs> oh, whatever should happen, Aizen plan it because he knows they will react like that, right? <laughs> but how would you know? Uh, See, that mean like how would you know? How mm, would you mm. know? <laughs> mm. See, yeah. that's the thing. Like in a in a very open ended game like D and D. Like, you can't, it's very hard to, uh, like, it's very hard to, it's very hard to, like, expect the players to, like, yes. you know, like, go in a certain direction that you want them to go. Like, like for example, just this week, I, uh, we're playing Call of Cthulhu. I throw mm-hmm. you a big curveball, right? I throw you guys a big curveball with all the madness going on now. Right, right. The whole game was building up to the meeting. I think this is this will be uh, not the primary antagonist, but like mm-hmm. the secondary antagonist of this game so far. Yeah. Uh, and we completely derail from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any DMs plan never survive the players. Oh. How how would you how would you plan for that? Right. Writing a, a magnificent bastard is hard. It's it's very hard. Like you you would have to have you would have to expect the characters, the party members, the players to like play in a certain linear way, for that to work properly. And not to mention like the random elements of dice rolling. Yeah. Like what if you get a natural twenty in three successions, right? The where like, yeah. like you can just snowball through like you know scenarios with yeah. a good roll. Yeah, especially in D and D, right? In D and D, exactly. Nat twenties are so uh, goddamn explosive to your bosses, uh, mm-hmm. and if your bosses miss misses, that's a that's a problem as well. Exactly, exactly. So like, you, there there's a there's a there's a element of RNG that you have to rely on as well when it comes to uh, making a magnificent bastard villain that is like you know three or four steps ahead of the party. I think that my go-to is that I always have an escape, uh, an escape route or escape mechanism mm. written into it. Like, mm. uh, for example, in D and D, a scroll of teleportation, maybe you know, uh, oh, yeah. or oh, maybe there is a tunnel that he is going to go into, or he banish himself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just to have some, that plan. I think uh, in in my Matt Berry's game, uh, the big bad evil guy is called the uh, the King in Black, right? And yeah. he, he he is this paladin death knight that is uh that 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 is trying to bring back this elder god etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they had this like um um I think back around episode fifty, uh of the game, they actually got into face to face with him. Of course, he's super over level. Even then, even then, he got down to his thirty percent of his health by the players. Um, oh, but. But we, uh, but but he managed to kill one of the player's characters. But mm-hmm. even then, we had I, I had to th- think of a way to get out because if he continues to fight, he will die. 
right? Oh yeah. Uh, so I already actually wrote wrote in uh, uh, that he will have this uh, uh, the sigil uh, sigil of teleportation on him that mm -hmm. the, the the team's wizard can activate to bring him out if things go worse, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a I I overplayed a lot with like uh, the wizard taking him out of the fight, him just like, believe me, I need to kill these people, right? Uh, <laughs> of course, but he gets heated out of the fight. Mm -hmm. So so you do need to plan these kind of things ahead. Mm -hmm. um, I think, so mine is an escape route. What would you do? Like, do you, Would you also put in uh, a safety tool at the very least for, to, for your bad guy to survive the players? Not just like his HP, but more for like his plan, you know? Uh, uh, I would I would say that yeah, a failsafe is definitely required, and not to mention like sometimes I would like uh, tweak the stats accordingly, mm -hmm. like depending on how you know depending on how the uh, the encounter is going. Like if the party members are owning a bit too hard on the villain, then like I would like uh, maybe like uh, raise up their HP or like the uh, or the AC, it, like make it a bit more difficult for, uh, difficult for the party members, just to like. Um, just for um, just for this like just for the pacing to not drop there is that as well and also the element of improv uh, let's say for example like uh, the the boss the uh, the villain's henchmen came out of the shadows and helped him escape like so there's there's definitely that sort of like fail safe plan uh, like you know triggered one thing, uh, uh, I think when you say the, when you say about the improv, I think that's one other mechanic come to mind because like um, in D and D, of course, you when we uh, when, when the fight actually happens, right? Mm. For me, I tend to like at that moment, everything uh, I basically let go of the rings, right? Uh, the most I do is probably introduce more enemies if needed, like basically introduce minions if oh, needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just role play accordingly. But at that moment, I'm the referee. I don't, uh, I don't fudge roles. I don't fudge that because mm -hmm. there is a social contract of trust between the player and the DM in that mm -hmm. moment as well. Mm -hmm. However, uh, if I'm playing Monster of the Week, <laughs> it's a different story. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. in, in the rule book itself says, "Oh, if you want your monster to survive, just say that he escapes." You know? Oh. Just like that, oh, without any oh, yeah. repercussions. Oh no, no, no! That that's it. Like, like because uh, a PPD game is very different from how D and D works, and oh. the keeper doesn't even need to make rolls and such. So if the like the the moves that the DM uh, the keeper uh, gets to make is actually just like you can just write a power that the that the monster can use to escape, unless mm -hmm. the players has done you know thorough investigation, they discover the weakness, etc., etc. But normally, players do not get all those information at the start of the game at all. You know, so yeah. when they encounter the monster, if there's if they haven't found the weakness, the monster just survives by a sheer idea of improv and and narrative alone. You can let your bad guys escape and fight another day. So mm -hmm. I think that's also the reason why I I, I like other system preference to D and D for narrative purposes, because at the very least for D and D, you're bounded by rules. You know, you're still bounded by rule as a DM, as a player. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, uh, in a PBD game, PBD game where like we were playing Mask or or Monster of the Week, it's narrative come first. Narrative come first, 
mechanics are just there to help you facilitate the role play, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like for me, for me, uh, when I run games, like I don't want the uh, the game to be restricted by the rules so much, you know. Like this, and it can go both ways for the players and also for the DM as well, because like you know, you don't, you wouldn't want all this like build up that happens throughout the campaign to like you know die like for it to just smudge and disappear in three turns at the yeah. you know at the final fight. There, there, there needs to be a def, there needs to be a certain level of improv and like a bit of tweaking. To make sure that everybody has a good epic fight. Yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I, I was going to ask, like, because when you talk about speaking of like final fights and epic fights, I want to ask. Mm. I think I think that's that's the natural conclusion that this this podcast has to come to is that <laughs> the epic final fight, the final battle, the final right? battle. Yes. One, I I think I oh in my experience as a dungeon master, I've only had two final battles one is in a monster of the week campaign and one is in a Dunge dungeons and dragon campaign hmm. a mini campaign of three episodes aside from that i have never had an actual final battle because my map berries game still is not finished and my call of cthulhu game you guys are still playing it it's still ongoing <laughs> the mad berries the map berries is still ongoing we're at episode Damn. 65 we're on a hiatus for like three months now mm -hmm. but but still uh it's up there for us to play if the schedules and the stars above uh and the gods of uh, pharaoh and alliance of course but yeah so i have never actually got a chance to run the final bosses uh, the final battle right mm -hmm. um and, and in your uh in your view in your view how would you make what is your most ideal epic final battle oh boy <laughs> that is a that is a tall there, there is a lot there, oh man there is a very tall order. Yep, that is a very <laughs> tall order, right? That is all the, that is a freaking that is a freaking how to put this. Mm -hmm. The 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 weight of having a good boss, like making a good villain, is like mm -hmm. you still mm -hmm. like the whole build up is really good, but you do need to stick the landing at the final battle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have never. Uh, I really would like to take on it. You have you have you had the opportunity? I've had one opportunity where oh, yeah. I was uh, where I run a very epic final battle. Uh, it was back in college too, uh, when I was uh, it was back in college uh, doing my first ever campaign. Um, Our old days, old days. Yeah, yes. yeah. We're, we're we're the oldest in the server, so we can <laughs> say that. Yeah, we're, we're the boomers. <laughs> but um, what I would do is like. I would make sure that the players know that there is a very, very high stake involved hey, in the fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, on a very, like, worldly scale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, the fate of the world mm -hmm. relies upon the outcome of the fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so, so that, you know, so that the players feel the sense of urgency. Like, mm -hmm. and, like, be all, like, serious and give give their all in the fight mm -hmm. and when it comes to mechanics and all that though yeah. i make sure uh, i make sure the final battle be uh happens at the lair 
of a oh, specific yeah. boss. Of course, as a dungeon master, yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And also, you can't forget legendary actions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, just to no. you know, just to just to like just to give uh, a bit of a uh, climatic exchange. Yeah, of, you don't, you don't uh, want your boss to just fall, uh, just mm-hmm. fall to laughing in the first <laughs> round with Tasha Hedi's laughter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And also, like, you know, obviously, it's not gonna be uh, a solo fight mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Like because like six level level twelve players versus one guy, it's <laughs> it's a bit of it's, it's a bit of a one sided beatdown. Oh yeah. Even with oh, the yeah. legendary saves and actions. Yep. Uh, with the way how CR is screwed, <laughs> um, even at like the 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 how would I put it the the ideal level, mm-hmm. right? Uh, level five to ten. Even in that, a boss solo. Even with legendary actions and legendary resistance and the lair actions, still mm-hmm. is not enough to yep. take on uh, a full-blown party with their actions. Right? Oh, Action yeah. economy plays a huge, uh, huge role in D and I'm sure, like every player can, re- uh, every DM can relate to like what we just said about like <laughs> the legendary status resistances and actions are not enough. To counter a full party because you you would be surprised like the the length of uh like groundbreaking uh like gameplay and builds that players can come up with to like essentially one shot a boss yeah not to mention combos right yeah at level 12 they've no they've played each other i mean that and that is that is also cool because players have uh, these players have known each other. These characters, these player characters, have known each other, fight alongside each other for such a long time that they they basically are strong enough together to take down your big boss in one swoop mm-hmm. with their combos. However, your our role as dungeon masters and game master is still still to give a challenging fight, right? Exactly. So, yeah, and and uh, I think one of the go tos. One of the one of the go tos is mm-hmm. the minions, <laughs> extra minions. It's always mm-hmm. helpful. Or oh, do you, do you have anything to add? Like, do you have like what what is there other out of your backs of tricks? Uh, what do you have to have? <laughs> there there is one thing that I like to add though. Well, two things actually. Uh, is a time limit. Clock, uh, of course, the dreaded clock. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, let's say for example, right? Uh, the final fight is a sort of like a hostage situation, mm. where like the uh, where very important people uh, are in a, in a cage, and that cage is slowly descending into a pit of lava. Right, that and is that the, that is like a you know the the textbook mustache twirling that uh, <laughs> guy move of yeah. all time. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's the top example that I that like uh, that popped up in my head. Yeah. So like that that sort of like uh, urgency would def- mm-hmm. would would make the fight uh, dramatically appealing mm-hmm. uh, to the uh, to the players. And not to mention, uh, I don't I'm not sure if everyone's gonna agree with me, mm-hmm. but uh, killing off a PC. Oh yeah. At a uh, at the final fight, because. Like, you know, just just to give them the sense that oh shit is real, 
Like, oh yeah, the, sacri- the, uh, the sacrifice yourself moment. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a uh, like they need to know that it's a no holds barred fight. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, shit can anything can happen, and like then there's no such thing as you know hand holding or like you know like holding mm-hmm. back. It's a it's a it's an all out fight yeah. between the party and the big bad guy. I think one other two, one other two that we can use, one of the uh, tricks we can use is uh, having hostages. Right? Mm-hmm. Hostages can be used very, very uh, uh, coolly to either give up stakes or actually have some of the players be busy uh, instead of hitting on a boss. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I think that's what happened. Remember back in season two finale of. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, where we have uh, for Dimitri, right? For Dimitri, mm-hmm. uh, you we had the child uh, who is the, um, his his godson, his soon to be godson, his soon to be godson, whole hostage, uh, and and you guys were fighting against, of course, this uh, Lovecraftian monster along with the Cotas. But I think two of you were really occupied with just trying to get the kid away from them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And 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 because of that, there were certain certain things that the villains were able to do. So, I think having hostages is also another trick you can use uh, mm-hmm. in order to up the stakes. And not just uh, the final battle; you can always have that for your boss battle, your mini boss battle, if you like to. But of course, uh, for the final one, having that as having that is also really good to uh, up the ante for the players to feel more heroic uh, for their deeds. You know, nothing yeah. says hero and then saving a person. Exactly, exactly. Like, as I said before, like, that level of um, stakes is, it would definitely make a good fight, a good mm-hmm. epic final fight. And, uh, mm-hmm. no, but go would, ahead. Well, I was thinking also thinking, like, this brings me to Spider-Man 2. Like, would you also do, like, Remember the the redemption thing that we talked about before? Mm-hmm. Would you think um, having two big bosses and 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 one of them to turn on each other would be a good thing as well? Would oh, that... mm-hmm. what do you think? Um, hmm. Dude, I think that, is the, that, that is the Darth Vader and and the Emperor moment. You know, it depends. It depends on the context. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, let's say, for example, right? Uh, the players have uh, have like met the other big bad boss in private, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of like uh, come up with a really uh, come up with a very appealing deal that mm-hmm. uh, interests both parties, both the evil yeah. guy and the party. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you know, like uh, at the end, they were able to like finally properly convince the uh, the other big bad guy to turn on the other one. Right, mm-hmm. uh, a good example is the. Uh, uh, do you do you know the uh, do you know the Chroma Conclave of the, the Critical Role fight? Uh, I actually have not watched uh, uh, Volume One. Uh, oh, sorry, Campaign no One. No, 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 no. Spoilers are okay. I I know I've been spoiled, but I did not know. Uh, I do not know the exact moment though. You can, well, you can, you can you it's basically know, yeah. it's basically like the uh, the big uh, the two big dragons from the Chroma Conclaves mm-hmm. uh, fight against Vox Machina and Vox Machina they sort of like um, 
discussed beforehand with the uh i don't remember the uh the name of that dragon but i remember that it was a poison dragon mm-hmm. uh so like uh so they were able to like uh persuade the poison dragon to mm-hmm. turn on the uh the big one the the mm-hmm. leader of the chroma conquest the red dragon yeah the red dragon yeah the fire the, the fire breathing red dragon and they were able to have this epic fight but despite that Despite that green poison dragon joining Vox Machina, they they still had a very very hard time with mm-hmm. that fight. Mm-hmm. So there is the, so there is the element of redemption uh, mm-hmm. that you can play into the fall uh, into the final fight. Definitely, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of like how the story uh, builds up towards that direction. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. I think I think with that, that's how this, we we started from like the villain from the conception stage of like morally great characters, uh, basically up up and basically up to like upping the drama in the party. Not just by you know not just by the villains hitting the players hard, but also by like sowing uh, dilemmas and dramas into the party. And now and finally up to the point of the final battle, <laughs> and. Uh, and I think we may have. Uh, there's a, still a lot more to discuss, of course. There's a lot of to, to talk about, like inspirations of where to find villains. So you mentioned a really good point about, like, basically picking a villain from a pop culture and then molding it into what you like. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good tool. Uh, uh, that's a really good advice. I think I, I would like to have a, a full on episode just from that. Like, oh, this villain from this movie is really cool. I want to have oh, it. Oh, <laughs> yes, please have me on that episode. I, I will nonstop talk about all the villains in the pop culture that I definitely like molded into the D&D campaigns. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, but but with that uh, we have uh, we have come to a close to this conversation this little uh, blowing out uh, moment for us uh, in, in the Danari Tavern for tonight uh, as we discuss about bad guys and uh, do you have anything like a, a closing advice to uh, players and and game masters out there uh, Mint? Uh, yeah, uh, I would say uh, have fun with the villain creation. But don't go too overboard, essentially, because keep in mind that uh, we're all playing to have fun all together. And it wouldn't be so fun if it's a one-sided massacre <laughs> from the villain side. That's so, also true. It, yeah. <laughs> it's also the other side as well. Um, most, yeah. of the time, most of the time, our villains are massacred by the players. So. Pretty much, pretty much. You got to find that right balance. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, with that, uh, we bid you uh, goodbye and good night, and uh, we hope you have uh, fun at your table.